Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for today. Uh, We are thankful that you give us a day every week to gather and to worship you and to be reminded of your grace and mercy to us in Christ and to fellowship with your people, to glorify you and to enjoy you and to have the community of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this place. I pray that as we embark on this study over the next coming weeks, we would think about uh, how you've called us to be your people, that we would think about the places that you've given us, whether it's here at Trinity or in our homes or wherever you might have placed us, and that we would think about what it means to live out our faith in tangible ways in each of those places. Bless our time together and use it for the building up of your people. And ultimately, Father, that uh, you would receive even greater glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I'm going to just kind of jump right in. And uh, today is going to be kind of a uh, general introduction of what we're going to be talking about. Um, I've got basically between now and the end of the school year mapped out. And so... Uh, we're going to cover lots of different things and lots of different areas, but I just want to start by kind of giving you a little bit of a uh, some background as to why we're doing this as a class, and then also um, kind of some of the direction that we're heading. So first of all, how did the idea of doing a Sunday school class on hospitality come up? And really was kind of um, the convergence of a couple things. One, the local outreach committee of our church um, brought a question to our session about uh, the idea of thinking about how we could be uh, building fellowship and community within the context of Trinity. Um, now, you might think about, like, why is the outreach committee thinking about that? Well, that should be obvious that they're actually thinking about how that can be used as a way of welcoming in people, uh, even new people, to the church. And so they asked that question and wanted the session to kind of think through that a little bit, had some ideas for us to consider. Um, as we started th- talking about that and considering it, um, it was really resonating with something that I've been thinking about, praying about, feeling over the last, really the last several years, and that's just all of the changes that have happened at Trinity over the last decade. Uh, some of you have been here over those last 10 years and know that there's the, the changes have been substantive uh, in, in many different ways. Um, I mean, just simply uh, moving uh, into Schaefer Academy and the blessing that that was for us and then the learning what the new normal was like for there. Uh, some things that we couldn't keep doing, some things that we were able to do that we hadn't been able to do at our 10th Avenue property. Um, the transition from Schaefer now to here uh, with a new building uh, with phase one and then going through phase 1.5 uh, added uh, additional uh, uh, challenges and blessings and things for us to think through. Um, just how we do Sunday morning. Our schedule, uh, having two worship services and Sunday school in between and not asking you guys to come before the sun is up and not trying to keep you too much past lunch means that we have a pretty squashed schedule there. Lots packed in um, and uh, just it means that there's not as much time to just kind of linger and fellowship and uh, think about reaching out and welcoming new people. Um, New faces. God's bringing new faces regularly. Um, there, there are new faces even in the room right now that are new within the last weeks. Uh, God has just been gracious to, to do that for us on a regular basis. And, and then just the growth aspect. Uh, about 10 years ago, we had 
maybe a little less, right around 100 people on a Sunday morning. And now there are over 300 people that come to church on a, on a regular basis. And uh, that just poses all kinds of challenges, um, good challenges and, uh, and challenging challenges, um, things that we have to kind of think through. So as a result of all of that kind of coming together, um, I started kind of thinking, well, what if we had a church-wide conversation or as church-wide as we can get in terms of a, an adult Sunday school class? Um, and so that was kind of the genesis of what has come together. Um, I've titled the class, and just mostly for my own thinking, but hospitality is part of the DNA of the church. And that really should give you a sense of kind of what I'm thinking about here. Um, the DNA of the church, meaning kind of part of the fabric of the church, um, holistically about the, the whole aspect of our, of our church. Um, thinking big picture, how does hospitality play a role uh, in the life of the church? So before I get into talking a little bit about what I mean by hospitality, I want to let you know about some of the resources I'm using. Um, a couple things here. Uh, I've, I've got some of these books I've already ordered, and they're going to be out on the book table, the book wall. Uh, some other ones are uh, not ordered yet, or I may not order them, but you could go out and get them if you want. Um, the one that the class is really, in a lot of ways, being influenced by is this one called Making Room, Recovering Hospitality as a Christian Tradition by Christine Pohl. Um, this is a fantastic little book, um, and I've got there are five or six copies that are on the book wall uh, of this. One sold already? How'd that word get out? <laughs> oh, BJ's got it. <laughs> and, 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 you, and you would be willing to sell it for how much? <laughs> um, this is a fantastic little book. Um, Christine is, or at least she was a professor um, at Asbury Seminary in Kentucky. Um, and she's familiar with Labrie and has been in some Labrie circles. Um, mentions Labrie in the book. Uh, it's, it's good. A lot of what we're going to do in the class is going to be piggybacking on this. So even if you don't get a copy, you're going to get kind of the essence of the book. In the back of it is a wonderful bibliography on hospitality, just covering a lots of different issues. So this is going to be a, a, a fairly significant source. Um, Rosaria Butterfield has written several books, and uh, she wrote two that are kind of companion books about her own personal testimony and conversion experience. Uh, the Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, uh, and then there's a follow-up to this one um, that I don't have with me right now, um, but basically is a, a detailed description of how the hospitality of God's people welcomed somebody that was very much from that church's perspective an outsider into their midst and she was converted um, and now is uh, just doing some wonderful the Lord's using her in wonderful ways I found out as I started doing the study that she had just written a brand new book that had gone to the publisher on hospitality and I thought this is awesome and then I found out it's not published until April <laughs> but that's right but I know people <laughs> and Helen Locke got a pre-published copy from the publisher to review and she gave it to me to be able to read and I've just started it but it is fantastic um, it's called the gospel comes with a house key 
And it's just an understanding of hospitality. I'm, I'm, I'm only a few chapters in. Um, there's a warning that needs to come with this book. Like, this is convicting stuff. Um, really good, but re- very convicting. So you, you can pre-order this, but it's actually not out yet until, um, until April something or other. Um, but it's, it's really good. I would encourage you to get it. A um, couple other things. Um, Obviously, the Schaefer's, um, Edith's book, The Hidden Art of Homemaking, is really good. Um, they've, so much about Labrie's work is about what we're going to be talking about uh, this, this quarter here in the Sunday School class. Um, some of you are familiar with Henry Nouwen, um, and he's written a book called uh, Reaching Out, The Three Movements of the Spiritual Life. You know, with any of the people that we're talking about, I can't say, agree with 100% of everything that they've written. Certainly that's true with Nouwen too, but, but there are some really helpful things as he helps us to think about what is what does the spiritual life look like in the terms of living a hospitable life? Um, so I'll mention some more as we go along through the class, but those are a few that um, certainly am, are, are being a part of this. One other thing I want to say, and I thought she was going to be here this morning. She had her grandchildren with her, and so she had to leave uh, after the first service. Um, but I am so thankful for Helen. Uh, she has uh, been willing to have really helpful, uh, significant uh, conversations with me over, really over the last several years, number of years, uh, talking about hospitality. Sometimes we haven't named it that, but that's been what we've been talking about. Um, And then she sent me uh, an Excel spreadsheet with, I don't know, maybe 50 different books that she has on hospitality and is letting me borrow any of those that I want. and uh, it's just a, a great blessing. So I'm very, very thankful for her and just her, not only experience, but also her interest and her heart for these kinds of things. So let me, um, let me jump in to tell you a little bit about what I mean by hospitality. Um, as I started kind of thinking about this, studying this, I realized like there are all kinds of different ideas out there. Which means there are all kinds of different ideas out here. <laughs> what do we mean by hospitality? What, what comes to your mind? What, uh, what are the things that you uh, think about? Um, and so I, I was going to put these up on the board, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. Um, I just want to hear some of your thoughts and ideas. Um, when you hear the word hospitality, I'm not asking you to tell me what you think I'm thinking about. Um, what, are, what are some of the things that come to your mind, um, whether they're right or wrong, just things that come to your mind when you hear the word hospitality? Say again. Food, Food, okay. People in your home. Sharing life, life, okay. Neighborhood gatherings. gatherings. So something kind of, um, there's a geographical reference there, like our neighborhood, okay, good. Somebody's welcoming, okay, good, yeah, thank you, thank you. Rest and restoring, being restored, good, good. Other thoughts, yep. Intentionally and imperfectly living in community. Okay, good. Those are some loaded words. Yeah, good. Inconvenience. Inconvenience. Ah, very good. Yes. Yeah, fellowship. Fellowship. Friendship building. Friendship building. Okay, good. Occasionally exhausting. Good. (laughs) We won't tell them that when you had the Harpers over, we stayed for four hours that night, right? (laughs) Just about had a heart attack when we got out to the car. It's like, whoa, we just well overstayed our welcome. (laughs) 
Uh, good. What else? Just what she did is that she just came prepared to, to give them to somebody. What a what an encouraging thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's stuck in your mind, right? It's a it's a great reminder. Okay, good. Other thoughts? Yeah. Hosting people overnight. Okay, so actually not just a meal, but but in your home on a longer period of time. Okay. I think just the simple fact of being aware of new people and being welcoming to them. Okay. So just ha- just having an awareness of who are around you, opening your eyes and being uh, the intentional word, right? Being intentional about seeing who's there and who who is new and, and then reaching out to them and welcoming them. Okay, really good, really good. Other thoughts? Um, it was, you know, when we were younger and, um, and also, you know, growing up, having, having a good, good habit was a cultural thing because on Saturday, you did all your work on Saturday, and the house was clean and ready, and, and the next day it was usually, a, you know, a good meal I'd make every Sunday. And so I was ready at for the moment to say, oh, they're new, let's have them over, they, you know, whatever. And, and I've gotten out of that habit. Huh. So, I mean, some of it's the change. It went to work full time and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'd like to start getting back into that good habit and it makes your Sundays more restful, too, instead of making... Yeah, boy, you've tied a lot of things together there that other people have mentioned, being welcoming, being intentional, being thoughtful, uh, opening your home, and reaching out to people that you may not. I mean, that's a great example of kind of how uh, so many of those principles kind of come together. Great practice. We're actually, we'll talk about later in the class, we're going to get into some practical, practical things, just about hospitality in general, and then we're going to talk very specifically about Trinity and where we are right now and kind of what we are doing what we could be doing better those kind of things so very helpful already just to kind of be thinking practically Liz okay so actually actually listening when people are talking that you've invited to your house (laughs) yeah or anywhere right yeah good but actually being thoughtful and again the intentional word being listening like when you're in the moment okay Mary Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about that very specifically. Um, I think it's very important for us to just acknowledge that for some of us, and I think it's particularly true in this town, um, it's hard for us to receive. Um, we have a lot of people that are givers and that are um, uh, serving. Uh, others who have broken bodies or broken computers or whatever, right? Um, sometimes it's hard for people that are always in that role to be people who are receiving the the good things of. The, so that, that's really important. We're going to get into that at some point. Um, it'll it'll be hopefully a little eye opening for us to kind of think about that. Dan. Well, the, um, the Sunday school that we just finished on letters to the exiles. Um, yes. Hospitable towards them, so that um, hospitality, or so that justice is carried out 
lovingly and not in a kind of culture war throw you know throw um, kind of stones both directions, but rather um, an openness, a loving getting to know people, so that um, in part that that's an undergirding for justice in our in our communities and in our world. Good. So there there's a, a connection there somewhere with the idea of justice and bringing justice. Um, into a culture, into a society, into a place, uh, coupled with uh, reaching out to the needs of the people that are being uh, dealt with unjustly or are experiencing that. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit too, just as we um, kind of, it'll, it'll be interwoven, I think, throughout the class. So, I mean, we could go on for another half hour or 45 minutes of kind of coming up with ideas, but just, I want you to see just how, uh, on the one hand, how varied uh, the ideas are, but then also um, how substantive they are already in kind of getting at this big picture idea of hospitality. Now, today's introduction, um, you just had the class participation section. <laughs> um, so in order for me to get through what I want to do for introduction, I am going to kind of um, talk at you here just for a few minutes and give you kind of a, a little bit of a synopsis of where we're going to go and kind of what the big picture is. Um, I'm intending and planning uh, for the class to be very much dialogical over the course of the semester. So um, you just went through the dialogical part for today. Um, so uh, if, if, you, if you didn't speak up but you have something to say, kind of write it down and keep that thought. It'll have, you'll have an opportunity in the future to uh, get at that. Um, I do think that in our culture, uh, maybe our, our representation here today is a little um, more healthy and, and broad in our understanding of it. In general, I think when people think of hospitality, they think primarily of having friends and family over for a meal. Um, if you're in a church context, a lot of times you'll think about like a church potluck or the coffee fellowship time. Um, You'll think about, I mean, sometimes maybe even the thought just comes up of the hospitality industry, right? Hotels, restaurants are in this whole, whole area of what we consider the hospitality industry. But that really is kind of a unique mindset. That kind of smaller mindset is unique, I would say, over the last 300 years. Really, the ancient culture in which the scriptures were written um, had a much broader understanding of what hospitality was like. It really had the sense of reaching out and serving and loving those that Jesus called the least of these. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 25. In other words, living out all kinds of biblical imperatives. Now, I'm not going to give you a lot of the context of these passages, but just, again, thinking about these imperatives as it, as it means living out our lives in the context of reaching out and serving other people. Um, Hebrews 13 verses 1 and 2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So even just the word of hospitality and, and connecting with love and serving and strangers. So some of the ideas starting to kind of emerge there. First uh, Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 10 uh, Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
So again, this idea of hospitality being connected with serving and, and Peter reminding us that it's easy to grumble. <laughs> when we do hospitality, when we're being hospitable, it's easy to grumble, but he's reminding us not to. Um, Romans uh, chapter 12, we haven't gotten there yet in our sermon series, but in chapter 12, uh, verses 9 and following, Paul says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So again, kind of this overarching uh, sense of serving and loving and pursuing and um, and being Christ-like in in the midst of God's people. And and interestingly, um, some of you are aware of this. Um, Paul gives us in two places qualifications for elders and deacons, um, and in both of those lists, being hospitable is mentioned. Uh, so all of these things that we're talking about. Um, it should be true for all Christians, but it is particularly it should be true for those men who have been called to be elders and deacons of the church. So what, they're, what these scripture passages are getting at is this idea of a spiritual, moral obligation to welcome strangers, those who are hurting, those who are in need, those who are vulnerable, into our lives. That might be into our home, it might be into our church, it might be into our car. I mean, it could be anywhere. The geography is not specified, but the idea, the principle there of welcoming and having this spiritual, this moral obligation to welcome strangers and hurting folks and those in need and the vulnerable into our lives, to serve them and to love them. Um, And it also has this idea of what we kind of churches traditionally think of as fellowship and the community of God's people coming together. So it's not purely about the strangers. It also involves those of us who know each other and reaching out to our needs within our own congregation. Today, um, so that was very much the mindset of kind of the ancient cultures. Today, the idea of hospitality is kind of a nice extra in our lives if we have time and if we have the money to do it, right? Um, I mean, cooking a meal uh, for people or having them into your home uh, for a prolonged period of time, and that can be expensive. And, and so it's, it's almost kind of considered a nice extra if we have the time and the money um, that will allow it. And to some degree, that's not entirely our fault because, I mean, just think about how self-sufficient we are today. Um, you know, in the first century, if uh, you took a trip to go 3,000 miles, for example, across the United States, um, you know, you didn't have an airplane, you didn't have reliable cars, you didn't have Amtrak, um, there weren't, like, you know, uh, Hampton Inns and Holiday Inns and, uh, um, you know, Applebee's and McDonald's along the way. You were dependent on uh, hospitality of God's people, people you didn't know in order to get from point A to B safely, right? Uh, think about how many of you go on travel for work, Right? Um, you don't hardly even think about it, right? You just book the airplane and you book the rental car and you book the hotel and the conference is paid for and you get there and you do the stuff and then you come home the same way you went. Um, like that's all new. 
<laughs> that, that is not how things worked a thousand, two thousand years ago. So, so some of it's just the culture and where we live, which means we really have to think about, like, these are differences. They're not necessarily right or wrong and not moral or immoral. They're the differences of the, how things are. So how do, we, how do we apply the principles of the scriptures into our current context, um, into a very individualistic, very busy culture that we all live in now? Um, until about 300 years ago, um, throughout church history, the, the idea of hospitality was a significant emphasis in the church and in people's lives. It was part of the fabric of what it meant to be a Christian. Uh, it was just part of discipleship. And, and interestingly, living like what the Bible passages were telling us gave credibility to the gospel. A lot of church historians will say it's one way, one reason why the church and the gospel spread so quickly that it, as it did in the early centuries is because of hospitality, of people welcoming them into their homes and doing life together, life, life on life, what somebody mentioned in the back, sharing life together. It was through that, that that God used that as a means of getting the gospel out and sharing the gospel and having people come to faith in Christ. Um, now, our world is very different now um, in so many different ways, but is there a way that that could still be uh, a way of outreach going forward? I mean, it was the outreach committee that asked the session to be thinking about this. It makes sense from a historical perspective that that would be something on the hearts and the minds of people who are thinking about are thinking outwardly about the gospel going out. In, in a sense, what we're talking about is what does it mean to simply put what we believe, our theology, into practice? Um, so, as we start to see kind of this bigger picture develop, um, what I hope we're going to see is that hospitality um, is really kind of a, a central aspect of the Christian faith. That the gospel and hospitality actually... <laughs> kind of fit together, hand in glove. God is a God of hospitality. Right? Um, from the garden to the last chapters in Revelation, we see God reaching out to the needy. Us. From Adam and Eve in the garden to the end of Revelation where we see you may know that the picture that we see in Revelation 19, it's a meal. It's God's family gathered around a meal, fellowshipping, having community, hospitality with one another. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, we see this picture of a God throughout redemptive history, of a God who is hospitable to his people, um, that the gospel is the good news, that God is a God of hospitality to sinful, broken people. Um, Rosaria uh, gets at this in her book here. I'm not even going to tell you what pages these are on because all of this could change. Because uh, since it's a, a pre-advanced uh, reader copy, it says. Um, but in her book, early on in her book, um, she says this. She likes to call it radically ordinary hospitality. That's her kind of catchphrase for it. So radically ordinary hospitality is this. Using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. If you're prohibited from using your living space in this way, it counts if you support in some way some household in your church that is doing it. 
The purpose of radically ordinary hospitality is to build, focus, deepen, and strengthen the family of God, pointing others to the Bible-believing local church and being earthly and spiritual good to everyone we know. Now that's a mouthful, and I mean, in some ways we'll be unpacking that over uh, the weeks to come. But in a lot of ways, what she's trying to get at is um, we're not talking about an event. We're not talking about an activity. We're not talking about a program. We're not talking about um, uh, something that uh, we do like once a year. What she's referring to, and I think what the Bible's getting at, and what we're going to be talking about, is we're talking about a way of life. We're talking about that something that's just part of the fabric of what it means to be a Christian and to live that out uh, in the midst of Christians and non-Christians. Uh, one of the things, if you read Rosaria's book, um, it, it's you, you, you have to believe the gospel to read her book because you feel so guilty every page you turn. Um, it, what they do in their life and how they live their life with their family and their home is just unbelievable. And yet God is using it um, in significant ways. But, I mean, it's just basically they live life. Every aspect of their life is hospitality. It's not just something that they're, that they're doing. Um, it's, it's, it's more than that. So let me, um, as we're last 15 minutes or so here, Let's talk a little bit about um, what I'm perceiving to be some of the problems or some of the dangers about having a class on hospitality and thinking about this. So the first danger that I think we're going to have to kind of be aware of and be sensitive to and be thinking about is the danger of simply turning hospitality into a program or a project or something that one of the committees of the church is responsible for overseeing. Local outreach, uh, the Mercy Coordination Committee, um, the deacons. At times in Trinity's past, we've had a fellowship committee um, or a kitchen committee. And I think one of the dangers is, is that we talk about this and then we say, okay, now we're giving this to the kitchen committee or the deacons or the local outreach committee to kind of be the champions of. They're the ones who are going to be doing the hospitality for us in this church. Like if, if that's what we end up with, then we've kind of missed the boat. Um, and we, we've not, I don't think, grasped the, the fully, fully kind of um, how this should be fully impacting, in some ways, every aspect of our church, every aspect of our lives as Christians. So that's one danger that I think we need to uh, be careful about, be aware of. Um, another danger, and um, I won't fault you if you decide not to come back next week, <laughs> um, but I'm just going to tell you that one of the dangers is that the whole idea of hospitality involving risk and cost. Um, it's risky to do the kind of hospitality that Rosaria Butterfield is talking about or that the, the scriptures are talking about. It can be messy. We're talking about living life with people who have problems and who have needs and, and we have problems and have needs and we're bringing those into the mix of it all. And so it can be messy and there's a cost to us involved in opening up our lives and opening up our homes. Uh, there's a vulnerability there. Um, there's a cost of time. There's a cost of emotional capital uh, moving into uh, other people's lives of filled with 
suffering and challenges and difficulty. Um, there are financial costs involved too, depending on how we uh, try to live out hospitality in our lives. Um, there's a danger, I would say, as well, um, because and this is this will be where I won't fault you if you come back <laughs> if you don't come back next week. Is that um, I'm fully expecting that one of the results of this class for me, for our family, but hopefully for our church family, for you that come, um, is that it will probably involve changes in your own life that you're going to make. Why are we sitting here if we're not going to think that way, right? Um, Maybe we need to start saying no to some things. Uh, Or maybe we need to cut some things out of our lives, all for the purpose, whether it's saying no to something or whether it's cutting something out, all for the purpose of having margin in our lives so that... We can come prepared to give some cookies to somebody we've never seen before. Or we think proactively about getting things done in our homes so that we can just have the home open and ready to go, right? Um, what, what, there's so much about our culture today, and we are not exempt from that in this room and in this city. Um, very few of us have much margin. We're operating pretty much at full capacity. And if anything else comes in, uh, usually what that means is either a crisis or something has to be completely left on the side. Um, and then there's, there's repercussions of that, right? Um, you can think about examples of that in your own lives. But what would it look like for us to intentionally create margin not knowing how God's going to use it? Right, that's the beautiful example of the cookies, right? Um, it, like, I have no idea how God's going to use this. or opening our home to somebody that I don't even know. I, I have no idea how God's going to use this. But I'm going to create a situation in my life that I have the ability to do that. And then I'm just going to be amazed and wowed and encouraged by how God uses it. Right? Maybe some Sundays you know, she came and didn't have anybody to give the cookies to. And so she gave it to the assistant pastor's family or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, God knows what he's doing, right? What would it look like? And more than what would it look like, I guess what I'm, I'm saying is, are you willing um, to go through the class saying, I'm willing to figure out how maybe some things need to change so that I can have the space um, emotionally, physically, financially, um, the physical space so that I can be ready. And then just let the Lord work. Let the Lord uh, open up the possibilities and show you uh, what could happen. Um, Another danger, and I think this is real, and depending on your background, you may even be already thinking about these things. Um, But I think another danger, anytime we talk about the idea of hospitality, especially in a church like this, is the whole idea of the, well, that's the social gospel uh, idea comes up. Um, Our denomination came out of a denomination, the PCUSA, um, that really had kind of bought into the whole idea of the social gospel. That what's important is, um, and what, what is the most important thing, no matter what we do, is just dealing with the injustices, even if that means that we kind of soften God's word or don't talk about sin or don't talk about the gospel. 
as long as we are um, reaching out and, and doing the right things, that's all that matters. That that's what drives the ship versus truth driving the ship, which propels us into dealing with injustices and those kinds of things, right? So the whole idea of the social gospel is, is a danger. And I would say there are two extremes that we want to be careful about. One is actually moving into a, a belief of the social gospel, right? Um, not having the scriptures, God's truth, ground us in our discussion of what it means to be hospitable. Um, not having the imperatives of scripture propel us into how we live those things out. That is one, uh, we, we, we want to uh, avoid the extreme of, of really falling into the trap of kind of the quote-unquote social gospel. But there's another extreme, and that is, um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, of being so afraid of the idea of the social gospel uh, uh, um, ideas that, that we don't even want to talk about hospitality and what it means to reach out to the least of these, of living out our faith uh, in the midst of uh, our church. Um, being just afraid and kind of the slippery slope ideas, like, if, well, if we even start talking about some of these things, we're already there and we've already kind of compromised and given up. That's another extreme we have to be aware of and not go to, right? And Rosaria has a, has a good uh, description of this as she was um, wrestling with this her, herself. Having been, um, she would call herself a liberal feminist before she was converted. Um, and now she's in a very conservative uh Reformed uh, Presbyterian congregation. Um, I just it's amazing to see kind of where she was and where she's ended up. But but as she's thinking about you know the the life that she used to be in and and where she is now, um, just listen to what she says. Radically ordinary hospitality may resemble the social gospel practices of liberal churches and non-Christian mercy communities. For radically ordinary hospitality engages in some of the same practices. We gather people in close. We feed and clothe the poor. We accept people where they are. We care for the needs of the body. And we seek to restore the dignity of each human being. But here's the big difference. Radically ordinary hospitality practiced by biblical Christians views struggling people as image bearers of a holy God needing faith in Christ alone. Belief in Jesus, the rescuer of his people. Repentance of sin and covenant family within the church. Bible-believing Christians do not believe that a shave and a meal help people in the long run or atone for the sin nature of us all. Strangers and refugees are marked by the dignity of the God of the universe, but also by the imputation of Adam's sin. In order for the gospel to be proclaimed in deed and word, we must recognize that we all deserve hell itself, with all its ravages, injustices, poverty, and pain, and that only through the blood of Christ, poured out for the sins of his people, and through the power that God used to raise Christ from the grave, bestowed upon all who submit to the authority of Scripture, are any of us saved. The Christian home is the place where we bring the church to the people as we seek to lock arms together. So she's, she's saying... You know, we are concerned about social justice issues in the sense of the poor and how does the gospel impact that. But we're coming at it from the scriptures and what the Bible tells us about those things. And also recognizing that people are, A, made in the image of God and B, they're dealing with the imputation of Adam's sin. And so what does it mean for the gospel to go into their life? 
certainly meeting physical, emotional needs, but also the spiritual, the real spiritual needs of believing the gospel and putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, what I'm hoping to do is kind of uncovering all of these things, um, at least starting the conversation about these kinds of things. I'm hopeful that it will lead to larger and longer conversations. Um, I've already talked with some people about the possibility of some additional studies kind of jumping off of this, further, deeper kind of conversation about what it looks like, um, perhaps even impacting the overall structure of Trinity and how we do certain things. So I want you to be in prayer uh, for the class and for the Lord to use it in helpful ways in our lives and in the life of of our church. I'm going to finish by reading a couple, uh, just a few paragraphs here from Christine Pohl's book. In a lot of ways, what what you're going to hear from her is what what we're trying to do today and just saying, like, look how big this is, right? Look at all the different things that this touches. So this this is what she says here at the end of her, I think it's the end of the introduction to her book. Where does hospitality fit in the biblical story and in our identity as children of God? Why does Jesus, both as needy guest and gracious host, make hospitality compelling for us? What does the ancient church teach about a distinctive form of Christian hospitality? What did hospitality mean in the first centuries of the church? Whom did it include? If hospitality was so important in the ancient church, why and how did it get lost in later centuries? When hospitality was vibrant, where did it happen? What settings and social changes undermined hospitality as a personal and as a church practice? What happened when concerns about hospitality led to specialized institutions separate from the church? What makes hospitality potentially subversive and countercultural? How is hospitality related to human dignity and respect for persons? What does it mean to see Jesus in every guest? Can some forms of hospitality humiliate persons in need? Why is eating together so important? What about failures in hospitality? What are the consequences when persons are excluded or denied welcome? Does every stranger need hospitality? What makes someone a stranger? Aren't we all strangers at some level? If welcoming strangers is important, how do we reduce the possible risks? How can we get beyond some of the strangeness? Was it easier to offer hospitality in the past? Who is it that needs welcome today? Why is the experience of being a stranger crucial to being a good and gracious host? What is the relation between hospitality, seeing ourselves as aliens and sojourners, and our attitude toward property and possessions? How are hospitality and power related? Why is hospitality so easily distorted? What makes it fragile? Why does using hospitality instrumentally, uh, instrumentally or for the advantage under, why does using hospitality instrumentally or for advantage undermine it? Are there always enough resources for hospitality? Do we say yes to everyone who comes to us? Are there appropriate limits or boundaries in the context of generous welcome? How can we make a place for hospitality in our lives, homes, churches, organizations, agencies, and communities? What are the characteristics of hospitable places? In our present circumstances, can we find creative ways to recover an ancient practice? What are the challenges and difficulties of recovering hospitality today? 
What practices constitute welcome? What gestures express hospitality? What makes a good host? How do we learn the practices of hospitality? How can we sustain and nurture hospitality so that it becomes a vibrant and life-giving practice? Are you ready? We're going to buckle our seatbelts and see where the Lord takes us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much that you are a hospitable God, that you've demonstrated hospitality and what it is by entering into the lives of your people. I pray that you would help us over the coming weeks and months to uh, open our hearts and our minds to what you would teach us through your word. And I pray, Father, that indeed you would teach us in significant ways, such that at the back end of this time together, we will continue our journey of discussing and learning and growing and that we truly would be a church that is reaching out within and without to welcome in all that you might uh, use that as a means of gaining greater glory. I pray you would be with us through this journey that we're on and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.